0: Welcome to Super Serious Film Fest, our theme series of movie reviews. This season covers the best and the worst of Nick Cage. The summer and winter of his career. In what we're calling Season of the Cage. Hey everybody, we're here today to talk about The Rock. It's the 1996 Michael Bay-directed action film starring Nicolas Cage and Sean Connery. What did you think of The Rock? The Rock is a
1: really great... 90s era action film it's actually one of uh, i mean it has it 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 doesn't actually cover a lot of new ground it just takes familiar action tropes and situations and stitches them together with just enough heart and believability uh to keep you engaged and they also have one of the greater like villain setups like this guy general hummel is up there with like Marvel's Magneto as like yeah this guy's got a point mm-hmm. like and there's a lot of pathos like he's a Julius Caesar type that's un that's eventually uh, you know undone by by his own his own men like he's 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 defeated not not by the good guys but ne- by his by his the the greed and avarice and and callousness of his own side so yeah. it's actually doesn't it's better than it has any right to be because the setup but but that's also like it's a brilliant conceit Mm. it's a triumph of like wedding a script particular point geographic and historical context i i I think it's great uh and the nick cage is a great everyman that lets you just kind of like insert yourself
0: in this stereotypical masculine power fantasy what do you think jim yeah it's kind of shocking how good this movie is given that it's directed by a man who, up till then, had made one feature film, which is also excellent. It's Bad Boys. He has a, he had a very extensive
1: music and commercial music video and commercial career, like Got right. Milk, Michael Bay. Yeah, uh, I mean,
0: he he was kind of the go-to guy for some really cool music videos uh-huh. uh, in the '90s and, and even before. But yeah, he he really transferred well to the big screen. Uh, Bad Boys, I think, you know, as his first film, his debut feature film direction was awesome uh yeah he's able to to keep a movie just pedal to the metal pretty Mm -hmm. much the entire time and it didn't feel like too much like in subsequent years i think michael bay has gone over the line with that yeah but early in his career he was able to blend action and drama and heart and suspense so seamlessly that it always kept me engaged Mm -hmm. you know transformers what are you gonna do what are you gonna do about transformers yeah uh Like, where did the wheels fall off in the Michael Bay wagon? I think it's Transformers. I think it's honestly... What about Pearl Harbor? Because Armageddon. I love Armageddon. Pearl Harbor. Because I feel
1: like Pearl Harbor is where he tried to make a good movie. Like, good in the way that Titanic is good. Or good in the way that, like, Tales from Iwo Jima is is good. Like, he tried to make something that would be fairly well regarded, not just as, like, oh, it's good for an action film, or it's good for you know this or that he tried to make a good film and hollywood essentially pissed and shit all over it and then he's Mm. like you know what fuck you guys here's here's transformers there
0: weren't enough animal crackers in pearl harbor that was really his downfall (laughs) yeah uh but yeah i mean i i'm a big a big early michael bay fan not so much his recent stuff right did he
1: did, did he direct armageddon too yeah
0: Okay, because that was
1: the the follow up to this. There is, he had a nice little run. Speaking of Mm -hmm. nice little runs, like this kind of launched Nick Cage's uh, crazy action hero run. Like he parlayed this into uh, a series like Con Air, Face Off, um, others that I'm that he's done (laughs) the rock the rock uh, no I mean yeah he he's he's uh I mean he had like that snake eyes and I mean like where he was a man of action right he went from being like you know raising cane and moonlighting and like where he was like serious dramatic or he was like a leading man or kind of unconventional quirky fellow to where you put a gun in his hand like he plays this on a bat he plays a special forces soldier that 's like his hands are deadly weapons in con air mm-hmm. it 's laughable, but he does it this and then this movie has a credit slash
0: blame for that it does. Uh, I feel like Jerry Bruckheimer might also get some credit slash blame for that, yeah because uh, sure. he was a producer on this film, yeah uh Hans Zimmer gets some credit slash blame, yep, uh, he did the score for this film, yep, nice military, but they also have
1: there 's enough sweetness and light to underpin the Nick Cage finally is going to be a dad scene, and uh, Mason meeting with his daughter and trying to smooth that history. Like he's got a little light touch that can, you know, let up the dun 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 dun, you know, the almost Pirates of the Caribbean, the ballsy American version of that, and 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 give some nice nice quiet character
0: moments too. I gotta say, I wasn't feeling the flutes at the end so much. Well, it, it almost feels a little too light hearted to me, almost yeah. a little bit too much. Yeah. Uh, but that's that's.
1: uh I think that would be uh, Michael Bay's autobiography title, A Little Bit Too Much. Oh, a too Much. The Michael Bay story. <laughs> a Little Too Much Flute, A Little Too Much CG. Yeah. But also, this movie rode high uh, on Sean Connery. Like, this was like the tail end of his uh, Sean Connoissance. Yes. Uh, you know, the, like the, the fact that, like, hey, this guy used to be, you know, James Bond, and when he wasn't strung out and doing Zardoz and the fucking Highlander, he's actually a pretty sturdy leading man uh and this definitely traded
0: on his like sexist man alive former james bond status yeah there's that line when they're in the sewers you know about essentially avoiding gang rape in the showers enjoying this Well, it's certainly more enjoyable than my average day Meeting philosophy
1: avoiding gang rape in the washrooms though it's less of a problem these days
0: maybe i'm losing my sex appeal Which is clearly an allusion to James Bond. Sure. Clearly. Sure. And I'm sure he was on the cover of some magazine as Sexiest Man Alive at some point.
1: They took it too far. Uh, You know, suddenly he was... You know, smooch on Catherine Zeta-Jones in Entrapment. Like, it it, it got... Uh, yeah, I mean, the age gap
0: can't get greater than the age of the person in the movie with you. Right. <laughs> of the love interest. I don't think that's fair. Right, 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 uh, right, But they definitely tried that with Entrapment. The the other thing that they do in this film is I feel like they essentially turn him into James Bond halfway through this movie, right? Yeah. When, it, when he gets the haircut, mm-hmm. it's just action sequence after action sequence and goes from being on john mason in my mind to being james bond and and the movie
1: works like that because you have to believe that this crusty old dude who's been kept underground for 30 years can still kill people with his thumbs and can you know he needs nick cage because of the nerve gas angle but he might under the right circumstance if this was a james bond movie he might be able to outwit uh, General Hummel and his team of highly trained, motivated soldiers. Yeah, We've seen him do it, right? We've seen him do it as James Bond. We we feel like it's just like, through osmosis, they tell him, that he's, we, we essentially find out that this guy's a British super spy, so we just assume he's James Bond, he's got all the skills and utilities that James Bond could have.
0: Do they use Nick Cage in the same way? Do we get any baggage from this being Nick Cage? I
1: don't think so, because, you know, like again, Nick Cage, like definitely the... You know, a lot of the things that cemented his reputation as a as a broad actor uh, have already That's been... That's generous. You know, like, we already had the Vampire's... Was it the Vampire's Kiss? Vampire's Kiss. Uh, we, uh, we've already had the... Raising Arizona. The vast majority of the Nick Cage freaking losing his shit YouTube compilation has, is in his... So, and I felt like he just used the cage enough to, like, sell some of the comedy bits.
0: I was going to say, if anything... I think they reined him in a little bit. Yeah. Because this was a more mainstream movie than I think a lot of the stuff he had been in up until now. Yeah. Uh, I think Michael Bay came in and said, you can be Nick Cage, but I want you to be 10% of Nick Cage.
1: Right. Yeah. And that was like, I think he hit it like when, when they're trying to escape from, you know, it's like, do you know how to get out? It's like, this, 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 this might have been useful information, maybe. You know, he does that. Yeah. He does it when he's talking about his, to his girlfriend after he had the rough day at the office. There's a little bit of that with the guitar. Or how in... Zeus's butthole did you get out of yourself? Uh, do you think that was scripted? Or he went, won Zeus's butthole? He probably
0: just riffed Zeus's butthole. I mean, who writes the word Zeus's yeah. butthole and I, expects I a person to say it? I felt like in that escape scene when the, when they've been locked in the the cells and Sean Connery's getting them out, I felt like Nick Cage was just riffing that whole thing. Hmm. Yeah, you, with, you... with the prepubescent daddy issues and right. the anger, I felt like that was not written in the script. Right. Uh, even though that's kind of what they're getting at at some points yeah, in the movie, yeah. I feel like he was given license to just make things up. Yeah. So maybe we should talk a little bit about the the, the narrative of this film. Okay and maybe get into some of the things that the film is trying to do message wise. Mm-hmm. If you think any of that is really in there, uh, it, cause it's, it's hard to say. I think a lot of the, the message just gets lost in the sheer action mm-hmm. because, because all of the, the message points seem to be throwaways, you know, one character will mention one line, of dialogue that points out, hey, maybe Ed Harris is going too far here. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then they're on to the next action sequence. And I don't think that they spend enough time on that to really amount to anything in the movie. I think the moral of the film is contained in the president's speech. These past few hours have been the longest, darkest of my life. How does one weigh human life? One million civilians against 81 hostages. They need a decision, Mr. President. And in the middle, Frank Hummel. That we have ignored, abandoned, or marginalized a great soldier like Frank Hummel. And that American boys have paid for that neglect. And blood is equally real and equally tragic. They need a decision, Mr. President. We are at war with terror. Fighting war means casualties. This is the worst call I've ever had to make. They need a decision, Mr. President. Airstrike approved.
1: It's T-minus one minute. Uh, it's T-minus it's plus one minute from the deadline. <laughs> right. And they're like, you know, Mr. President, we actually needed a decision five minutes ago. Can we get one now? And he launches into this ten-minute... You know, Bill Pullman uh, talking about Independence Day, like, mm-hmm. oh, how did we come to this and uh, how sad it is that a man like, you know, General Hummel is forced to do this. How did how did they, you know, I, but I think that's the thing. Like, we have turned our back on these men and women who have served the country and done them dirty. And they use these skills and abilities that we trained them to then Bring this to attention at the highest levels because I also think they did a very eco- economical job of showing that Hummel. You know, they they always say there's four boxes in the defense of liberty: the soap box, ballot box, jury box, ammo box, and they use in that order. The, the movie is very careful to like you really are sympathetic to the general Hummel because it's all a like it's all a bluff. Mm-hmm. He ne- like like George Hummel would be a terrorist if he actually intended to kill hundreds of thousands of San Franciscoans, but you find yeah. out that he never was.
0: Yeah, and they do a great job with the casting in this film. I think Ed Harris brings to it both right. that intensity and seriousness of a man who right. you could believe might carry out this plan right, uh, and actually go through with it. And yet he also brings with it some kind of softer edge. I, I don't know what it is about Ed Harris, but I view him both as a hard ass and also a guy who could just, like, come up and give you a hug, you know? <laughs> oh yeah and you need both of those things in this role in order to sell the the idea that oh in the end he was just bluffing because you know he doesn't actually want to kill these people yeah there's a scene when he's on alcatraz where he like you know bends down
1: eye level to these little girls and like engages him like a father like and not in a creepy way but like hey are you having fun hey yeah i need you to do this for me and I always think, it's like, how does this scene play out? Because I imagine these girls bouncing up. Teacher, there's a man that says we have to evacuate the island. Like, what? Mm-hmm. Um, but Because yeah, he doesn't, like, he knows he might have to murder civilians if something goes wrong. He doesn't want to murder children. There's like that, just a little bit.
0: I and think. in the end, he's actually willing to give his own life to protect the people who he'd been threatening in the first place. Right, exactly. Which, uh, ultimately, I think it's the best payoff you could have imagined for that character
1: oh yeah and there's like I mean it's kind of hokey at this stage but like you know David Morse just really embodies that role as second in command when he pulls the gun there's this like this this five way standoff at the end you changed the coordinates didn't you General that's affirmative Captain excuse me General but what about the fucking money there is no fucking money mission's over bullshit it's over you're talking to a general
0: soldier maintain discipline I'm not a soldier Major The day we took hostages, we became mercenaries, and mercenaries get paid. I want my fucking money!
1: This mission was based on the threat of force. I'm not about to kill 80,000 innocent people. Do you think I'm out of my fucking mind? We bluffed. They called it. The mission's over. It's funny because it's essentially him trying to give the Michael Bain speech. To these guys, like you know, and it's it's also a very well done study of like the breakdown of the chain of command mm-hmm. because he's still got enough moral authority that when he's you know says stand down, major or whatever, like the guy kind of flinches and backs off mm-hmm. uh, until uh, David Morse backs like seemingly backs to play. Yeah. But that whole that was a that's a really a really exciting you know standoff. It's right up there with anything you've seen in like uh, Reservoir Dogs or. Mm-hmm. Well,
0: it's funny that you mentioned Independence Day Uh earlier on because watching this movie, I was thinking the exact same thing. Independence Day, and Mm. and I want to talk about the setup of this movie because they really set everything up efficiently. You know, Mm. you get the story of uh, this man who's lost his wife and now has nothing else to lose, and so he can go and do the thing that his heart has always told him that he should do. Uh, At the same time, they're also setting up Nick Cage's character, and I think they... The setup of Nick Cage's character is almost identical to the setup of Will Smith's character in Independence Day. Hmm. Almost identical. I mean, he's got the, the wife with the kid who he's got to go off and do this dangerous thing because uh, he's been called upon for his country. Like, it, it's almost identically set up. And I can't help but think, you know, all of these action movies, I mean, there is a template. There is a template for, for setting up these action movies. And The Rock follows the same one that Independence Day does.
1: Kick the tires and light the fires, Big Daddy. A lot of movies like this get it wrong, where they have like a bumbling, hapless idiot that just nuts up at the end and Mm. is finds competency. Whereas Nick Cage, like, they show him in his theater of operations, in his world, in his universe he's the best. Like, that mm-hmm. scene of him dis- dismantling the Sarin gas bomb as it's eating through his suit, he, like, you know, stays calm and collected and dis- disarms that bomb. And, you know, that comes back later in the film is like, yeah, he's not going to be able to met- necessarily manhandle a soldier, but he can mm-hmm. blow one through a window with a rocket. He can, like, his be- his most badass moment is... Patiently putting down this elegant string of pearls uh, configuration in a rusty grate, and then being able to lurch to grab the one thing—like you know, it's it's like a it's a patience and control and and confidence thing. It is, which you know, dismantling bombs is all about that. There's a scene where like they're like shoot the atrophine in your heart and then continue to work on the and Nick Cage like no no I mean I guess because he's worried that it's going to make him convulse and all that
0: yeah that's what I was wondering if if the effects that we see in the final scene uh-huh. or the final moments of the film would have pr- would have taken away so much time that he couldn't actually defuse it because he if you look and I, I think there's a brilliant action movie move it's it, mm. it avoids a cliche of diffusing the bomb with one second there are four seconds left on the clock he still had a good amount of time oh yeah uh but those four seconds probably would have been taken up with the shaking and the convulsing of the atrophy sure sure so yeah i think that's i think he wanted in that moment to give himself as much time as possible to defuse right. that and he the had bomb. the
1: confidence to do so and yeah. then but it's weird because like when the navy seals are like flying the alcatraz they try to give him the atrophine needles and he's like uh he tries to wave it off and they're like don't fuck with me on this and then at the end when he like you know the his defining heroic moment is when he plunges the atrophine into his heart after he poisons the one dude it's just it's I, I you might have it that that's supposed you're supposed to understand hearts to see to courage and he's finding his you know he's found his courage. This is
0: essentially the cowardly line getting his little heart award. They mess with you just enough in this movie too. I talked about the four seconds left mm-hmm. on the clock, right? Mm-hmm. They sort of go at the end of this movie and do the exact opposite, which is to make him too late. Mm. Like he he's just he's just too late. He puts the atropine into his heart. Yeah. He convulses and. If he had those five seconds back, maybe they see the green smoke before right. they bomb Alcatraz. Right uh, now, it doesn't have any effect. I wish it would have had some kind of sure. It doesn't need to kill all the hostages, but some greater effect. Like maybe good, maybe Mason is vaporized. Yeah, you know? yeah, <laughs> or, I, or something like that. I do think because he's that just a little too late. Yeah, I, I guess
1: they have to have the fireball, because you had to have uh, Mason believably get blown out to sea, uh-huh. but it is some bullshit that this thermite plasma, which is essentially a sci-fi weapon invented to incinerate things, uh-huh. like, Nick Cage gets blown 100 feet in the air with nothing but fireball behind him. Oh, that happens multiple times in this movie, but yes, like, yes. Like, what, I mean, but that's like, that's, what the hell, how does he get blown out to sea? And he's intact mm-hmm. and not burnt. Like he just gets wet and knocked out and Sean Connery's able to quickly swim over to him and save him. All oh, good questions. I mean, but it's like the thing is is like this movie so stays so grounded and believable and you kind of like the the performances are winsome and likable enough that you kind of look for ways to excuse at least I do, I look for ways to excuse this
0: film. There's some stuff I definitely don't like in this movie. Um I think somewhere in the middle of this this action sequence once they get to the rock and they're trying to get to all the rockets, um, they kind of lose the thread a little bit, or at least they lost me. Between th- there's a shift where Ed Harris decides I, I need to kill these fuckers because they're threatening my mission and they're not, you know, they're not soldiers, they're not on our side, so fuck them. And he starts firebombing the sewers, right, and just oh. trying. To, he he, as he puts it, uh, take care of the rat problem, and he means kill them. Mm-hmm. and they start firebombing sewers with them in it right and then somewhere in the mix and i can't quite pinpoint where it is he must change his mind off screen and tell these people don't kill them because when nick cage is dismantling the the final yeah or the second to last rocket yeah they they, they repel down behind him they have a perfect shot on him mm-hmm. and they just kick him through a window right and then they'd say the boss wants you a lot you're lucky that old man Hummel wants your life <laughs> You don't take pleasure in
1: gutting you, boy. I think that the what was missed there is that um you know, Mason and Goodspeed haven't disabled the missiles, they've stolen their guidance systems. Mm-hmm. So they can't be launched at specific targets. So Mason wants to recover those guidance chips. Now, so that tracks, but what doesn't track is uh when uh when Mason tells uh, General Hummel... I think I just mistakenly referred to General Hummel as Mason. Uh, yeah. When General Hummel recovers Mason and Mason says, Oh, we destroyed those chips. Mm-hmm. I guess maybe there's a chance that he doesn't believe them, but he's not in inter- He just throws them in prison. I think you're. I think the only thing you're supposed to understand there is like, you know, again, Hummel as core doesn't want to kill anyone. Mm-hmm. Like, he sees this as, but...
0: But he's trying to kill them a scene earlier. He tried to kill them a yeah. scene
1: earlier. Maybe you're supposed to understand those are the men that are supposed the, the his men are supposed to like maybe capture them and not kill them because that's what, I mean I think he wanted to capture those Navy SEALs. Like if those Navy SEALs would lower their weapons For and allow sure. themselves
0: to be captured, none of them would have died. But then once he kills some of them, he decides to kill all of them. Yeah, I Yeah, you're right. I, I do think there's another cheesy moment, um, and I want to say that in 1996. Uh, 15 year old me 14 year old me would have looked at this and been like hell yeah that was cool Mm -hmm. it's the moment where they ask Nick Cage if he's ever been in a combat situation and (laughs) he says define combat sir Yeah, and the guy whose name is Chad right the guy whose name is Chad is zoomed in on Uh as he's delivering this clearly absurd uh, absurdly pre-planned description of the mission that they're on
1: fine combat sir chat an
0: incursion underwater to retake an impregnable fortress held by an elite team of U.S. Marines in possession of 81 hostages and 15 guided rockets armed with VX-poisoned gas. It's It comes across as one of the dumbest things I've ever seen in film. You're supposed to understand <laughs> but it, But like, I think that was cool in 1996. Did,
1: I think it's just because you see it all the time. Like, we, we've talked about this, exactly. about, like, what do you know... I mean, they, they do this several times in film. And Like, what do you know about sarin gas? Oh, invented in mm-hmm. 1951 as a failed pesticide experiment. Like, it's been a Benedictine monks. It's, it's a funny story the champagne is I'm like shut the fuck up no mm. one would talk that way in that circumstance no especially it's over the top Goodspeed you know yeah. like Goodspeed who's intimidated the situation like uh, it, it's dumb and like the, you're supposed to understand his Navy SEALs is preternaturally aware of his situation and how prepared they are to do anything this guy can just rattle off in the, the instant he's like the rain man for combat situations yeah but you're right, it's the fir- when the fir- you see that the first time it's like, damn these guys are professional <laughs> right It's like these guys are serious motherfuckers like these guys are squared away and locked cocked ready to rock and yeah. uh, then you know that about Ed Harris's guys because you've seen them it's a little bit of an anticlimactic that this this team comes to loggerheads and the shootouts just a one sided massacre
0: yeah i I have some problems with with the action uh, and the way the marines I guess are portrayed here because mm-hmm. they have to look stupid at times mm-hmm. in order to not kill nicholas cage and sean connery okay and a lot, like there are scenes where clearly they could just kill them instead they kick them through windows right. instead they have a fist fight mm-hmm. um they they shoot into the air giving them warning that they're coming right giving yeah. them time to move and hide yeah, yeah. they they shout before they shoot when they have a perfect sniper position right I wish they would not have made the Marines look incompetent in those very small cases. Like, they're minor things, but overall it adds up to... I don't feel like the movie treated the Marines with the respect that it maybe should have. Yeah. And maybe they're doing that because these are the bad guys and they want them to look a little stupid. I guess I think there's only, like, two bad guy Marines.
1: Those two yeah. those two colonels or majors that are underneath the The, the ones that arrive on the helicopter. Mm-hmm. Um, everybody else, like, you know... It feels like they're, I don't know, following orders or whatever. Yeah. Uh, I really like General Hummel's speech.
0: We have achieved our position through poise, precision, and audacity. To this, we must now add resolve. We'll be branded as traitors, gravest capital crime, punishable by death.
1: A couple hundred years ago, a few guys named Washington, Jefferson, and Adams were branded as traitors by the British. And now they're called patriots. In time, so shall we. He seems like a hell of a leader. I really I really liked uh, uh like him. And then, mm-hmm. you know, choosing Michael Bain as like the opposing commander is a deaf choice because he's like I mean, he's kinda like his archetype is the doomed soldier. Yeah. Right? Like he's a little bit of like the He's, he's go the American the Sean Bean.
0: It, yeah. Like, he is he's
1: there to die and bum you out and motivate the other characters. Uh and he does a real good job of of again, showing like the highlight the moral dilemma of like here's a guy who look, man, I agree with everything we've been through the same, but like you still can't mutiny against the 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 lawfully elected government of the United States of America like look this is this is a I, I swore a vow to defend the country against people like you, yeah, um, but it's like it's just you know it, it invites the audience to like, well, what do you think about that because at the end of the movie. Mm-hmm. I almost wish there was a fictional boilerplate epilogue that says Congress in 1997 authorized a special forces remuneration act where like you can direct the CIA's cocaine money to widows of special <laughs> forces guys that get killed in black ops. Because uh-huh. that's the thing is a like, Red Sea Trading Company. I, find- I, I don't think that this is a real problem because I feel like if a squad of SEALs got pasted in some kind of... Uh, black ops misadventure they would just die in a training exercise right and they would pay like you know because the one thing that would draw a lot of press and attention is if a bunch of war widows were like not only their our, our our husband die uh, and, our, and our fathers die but we never got an answer why we never got paid their death benefits we never got their body for a funeral like
0: mm-hmm.
1: it seems like a self-inflicted gunshot wound from our federal government there's a way to mm-hmm. You know, just say they died in the training, Just make up something. Yeah. What do we think about Mason's relationship with his daughter?
0: Okay, so the daughter, I think, is there to give Mason a reason to continue with the mission once it goes sideways. Once the SEALs aren't there to force him to He's do it. The le- it's the emotional leverage. Like, right. where are you going to go, John? Because if these missiles launch, your daughter dies. Yeah. Or has a good chance of it. Okay, you're that's, right. That's the number one important thing it does is keep him on mission. And it also, I, I do think it brings a little bit of... Uh, it makes him even more sympathetic in a way Mm -hmm. and and it kind of gives you at the end of this movie a vision of what his future might be too right he might actually be able to reconnect with his daughter uh they might get to know each other they might you know live happily ever after Mm -hmm. that kind of thing so let's talk about a couple of of big moments that i really liked in this movie the car chase sequence i mean when i think of car chases this is probably the number one i know look steve mcqueen Mm -hmm. no offense He's done some great car chases before my time. Right. The Rock is my my definitional the, car chase. He also had, like, I, I, I
1: really like the, uh, was it the Volkswagen in the original Born Identity? That was like the anti-car car chase because it's I think like, it was it's, a Volkswagen? it's not yeah. muscle cars. It's just these little Euro Econo boxes tearing mm-hmm. down the cobble streets of these. I mean, yeah. Italian job. Right? Yeah. Italian I mean, jobs got a pretty good one. Some good ones. Um, but this the was the first Furious, one.
0: Obviously This that franchise. Yeah. Gone in 60 seconds has a ton of them. Right. Uh, This is the first one that I really stood up and took notice of. I mean, it's great because it's got the hills of San Francisco, which Uh automatically
1: you're going to see shot after shot of police cars and Hummers and Ferraris launching into the air and having their suspensions destroyed. (laughs) Right. Uh, Well, we can't
0: use that that car after that that shot. (laughs) Right.
1: Uh, And I think it's also got the brilliance of like it's a David and Goliath story. Yeah. You've got a Ferrari. He's got all the speed and agility. And then you've got the Hummers, which, you know, at the time, these were... You couldn't buy a Hummer. Like, Arnold Schwarzenegger had a Hummer. He bought it, like, Army Surplus. And it's like a fucking assault vehicle. And they were kind of, like, had this mystique of, like, it's almost like a tank. Like, it's like the Batmobile rolling down the road. Mm -hmm. And they use that to great effect because... They do. You got the fruit
0: stands. I mean, all the cliched things, right? The old lady crossing the street, which... I want to zone in on her in a yeah. second, but they have like the water truck. The water truck is a stand in for the plate glass movers. But they do the plate, glass, do the plate glass too with the Ferrari. You drive right through a fucking building. Yeah. Lambo, I, don't, I don't know what it is. I think, I think it's a it's Ferrari. A Ferrari. Yeah. 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 So they do all the cliched things, but mm-hmm. they also do some really interesting things. There's <laughs> the one that gets me the most is when uh, there, there's one point where there is a wheelchair Athletics team. They're just crossing yeah. the street, literally playing basketball yeah. in the middle of an intersection. Yeah, and he almost hits them. Yeah. Uh, why? Yeah. Why would that be in there? That's not even San Francisco. That's just a joke, right? Oh yeah. Okay. Well, well, I mean, there's a lot of jokes. Like, what do we think of the train conductor? Oh, I fucking love this guy.
1: And and then like his his streetcar. Gets yeah. blown to hell, 50 feet straight up in the air, the giant fireball, uh-huh. but then we see him, like, swearing revenge upon, you know, Sean Connery and Nick Cage later on. Damn!
0: This sucks! Where's that son of a
1: bitch at? I'm gonna hunt him down! That motherfucker ain't safe anywhere!
0: Like, where do they find this guy? <laughs> I, I can only explain this guy as, there's no way this guy is an actor. A. You don't think so? It, because only a man with two jobs, doing two jobs that he desperately loves could give this much emotion in a performance. Right, yeah, it's not... His, his, he's uh, the, got the job of being a street dr- streetcar driver, which right, he is, right. and the job of being cast in this movie as a streetcar driver. It's <laughs> the only way you get that reaction. I, I feel so bad for this guy because he's, he's doing a job that he so clearly loves. Mm-hmm. Like, and, and he has a borderline sexual relationship with this streetcar. Uh, yeah. He's like, oh, my baby. It's a special and, lady, yeah. Uh, and when it's burning, he's like, oh, they're burning my baby to the ground. And uh-huh. He clearly fucks this streetcar. <laughs>
1: clearly. <laughs> Gotta watch out. It's the third rail, literally,
0: <laughs> uh, that th- 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 you're going to be laying there. They must have, like, filled this streetcar with C4 yeah. for the final explosion because it goes up in a fireball, and you're right, it shoots... I mean, because it's straight up. This is a vehicle that runs on electric power. Yeah, I, there's no gasoline in in the streetcar itself. No. Yeah,
1: because it's, it, it's a cable car. It, it has yeah. the electric cable, and that's what runs it. So, like, I am perplexed at what caused the massive explosion. I mean, it's got to be the truck it hit, maybe, or th- hit a gu- hit a gas pocket in the the manhole the cover that it drove over. I, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> but
0: my favorite thing about that whole sequence is that through the crash where the guy is screaming oh we're gonna crash save yourselves yeah through the fireball right. through the 15 feet into the air 30 feet into the air yeah. and the crash and the slide toward the ferrari the driver has to be in the vehicle mm-hmm. the driver is in that street car right. and then he's fine when yeah. he crashes
1: yeah the guy's tough <laughs> You guys a little fire plug of a man. That has to be a studio note, right? Like, you can't kill the streetcar Probably, driver. yeah, yeah. yeah. He's, the, he's the star of the, the, the film. Uh, this, also, right after the, the streetcar blows up, um, you see a, a Michael Bay staple, which is where he takes the camera and he sw- sweeps it along the star's, like, knees, looking up as the star like and then this is nick cage dazedly getting himself out of this ferrari as the guy turns around and looks over his shoulder in the opposite way yeah like the hero shot and it it, it works man like it works on fucking captain america and the hulk it works on nick (laughs) cage like one of these days i want to get a telephoto lens and swoop swoop down at our knee level shooting up at us and see what kind of badasses we look uh yeah because yeah it's a it's a michael bay kind of touch
0: the, the most interesting thing i think is that they are literally setting up a trolley problem here because if you if you notice <sighs> yeah. the old lady is what causes this crash sure. the old lady is crossing the street sean yeah. connery doesn't want to hit her right so he swerves and he crashes into the streetcar yeah. which then that <laughs> knocks proceeds it off to track kill and, yeah who knows how many people yeah. literal trolley problem they're He's, setting up he,
1: he knows exactly what he'd do with the trolley problem yeah no he'd, it's great the the interrogation of mason you've got uh, william forsyth in there you've got uh you know the chief of staff from the bartlett administration from the west wing i forget his his name but womack uh and you know womack's like telling this guy uh forsyth that you know you can't strong arm mason and won't work on that Mm -hmm. and the guy walks in there and he strong arms mason (laughs) then they let nick cage in there nick cage like i'm not trained for this or you're an fbi agent aren't you they're aghast at what they themselves have done yeah, he weak arms such him. a re- yeah. it's such a ridiculous thing and then he gives him shit about like oh why don't you put him at the Taj Mahal? I was like fucker i got you what you wanted i mm-hmm. wasn't a trained hostage negotiator or whatever and they're like wojack's just the fucking worst in 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 this movie are you calling him wojack for- is it womack for- yeah <laughs> all right i was wondering if you were calling that for a reason no that I, I love that to establish that mason is a serious guy you know they show his like this guy lives in like the fucking same cell the cell next door to the man in the iron mask uh like what is the what is the national security reason for not letting this man have a haircut in 30 years
0: scissors Nah, they can do they can do it with clippers not letting him shower
1: like and yeah i don't know he's in this he's in this cell that's got, like, running water going, like, it's it's dingy, and there's probably a rat in the corner, And but he's got mm-hmm. an extensive library of, like, readers digest versions of, it's just a book that says Shakespeare on the spine, <laughs> right. and, the and the art, art of, of war. war, like, he just reads those books over and over. like, in 30 years of your you know philosophical readings john you're just now making it to shakespeare and, and sun tzu like get the fuck out of here right i don't think the majority of the audience picks up on that clues that nick cage is picking up
0: yeah um, which i think is there it's designed to show that nick cage is kind of an equal in intellect yeah at least the, to, the, that, to sean connery there's
1: something than sean connery he'll see yeah that's impressive like between that and fucking the prom queen now you've got you got mason on your side yeah if we ever remade The Rock, can we go full triple-breasted suit? Because the sheer amount of double-breasted suit in this mid-'90s film yeah. is out of control. Like, there are so many. There, there's so, like... The double-breasted era was weird because you used, like, three suits worth of material to make one suit coat. yeah. Yeah. Like you could literally jump off a building and like deploy those things as wings and fly. The, the thing that
0: Womack in particular is wearing—it's a triple-breasted mm-hmm. suit. You can't tell me otherwise. <laughs> I feel like the only way we're going to get the triple-breasted is if we first go no-breasted, <laughs> and then you get all you, you get the counterculture move right. Mm-hmm. The the style fashion turns so far from that side, mm-hmm. it goes to triple-breasted. I
1: feel like another you know, um, uh, Star Trek saw the future because I think the Wrath of Khan era. Starfleet uniforms are triple-breasted. Conair, the Wrath of Conair. Yeah, the Wrath of Conair era suits are triple-breasted because you had like you know the one thing and then the cream-colored and then the other red thing that slides. Like it's a triple-breasted suit. There's a lot of really good like grace notes for performances. Like I really love Sean Connery's affected struggle with blueprints because he uh, wants right. to be brought to the rock.
0: Yeah, and he's waving him in Womack's face, and he's and- like,
1: oh, he's clearly fucking with the guy and trying to get to the rock, but like it's. Yeah. uh it's, it's it's really good. I, I like his performance there.
0: Let me ask you this. Does the Maniac thing ever come back up in this movie? Maniac. Yeah, I remember at the beginning, Nicolas Cage buys this very expensive vinyl. Carla Warren not approved.
1: She takes it's dumb to spend $600 on an LP. Well, Carla's right. Why don't you just spend $13 on a CD, man? First of all, it's because I'm the Maniac. I think it's more that era of music because he's he talks about being a chemical super freak. Yeah, uh, he talks about Elton John, The Rocket Man. It's like establishing his
0: okay. '70s
1: era. 60s. So it doesn't
0: come back as a Beatles reference. It's just, just a more of general like he's a, he's a 60s, music 70s. fan,
1: yeah, of this of the this soft ass music. Um, okay, what do we think about the Rocket Man scene? Do you like the Elton John song Rocket Man? I don't like soft ass shit. Well, I only bring it up because uh, it's you.
0: You're the Rocket Man.
1: Here's my theory. Uh, Michael Bay watched True Lies on opening night, saw Arnold Schwarzenegger fire a terrorist off of the front of a missile off his Harrier jet, hanging by his suspenders or some shit, and he's like... All right, guys, hold my beer mm-hmm. because it makes and and it's just ludicrous. Like the the missile POV of the guy doing his like knife monk, doing his knife dance yeah. and and like uh, showing it's all lined up, right? It's all lined up and 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 Nick Cage then forces an Elton John Rocketman Joe joke mm-hmm. where this guy could have at any time just come around that missile and gutted him, <laughs> right? You know, like he's been wanting to take pleasure doing for a while and not the same guy not the same I, guy. I know you
0: know but i just it's not the to same guy but yeah. i think
1: all of the marines would take pleasure in gutting oh, yeah. this particular boy uh i don't know it's and then it's so fucking over the top because he gets hit by this missile blown out of the window falls like four or five stories right onto a fence post where it impales him right square in the middle of the heart it seems unnecessary. It's I'm telling you, he saw true lies and he won the he won the top uh Cameron. So it was cool though. Is this the first movie that ever did the doomed soldier dying with his serv- his sidearm, his holdout pistol? Cocked at a forty-five degree angle up in the up in the air, while his face is in the dirt, and he's just squeezing off shots in defiance and screaming. Oh, like that's the a Point, Mike, point Break, yeah, kind of thing. Well, it, except uh, Point Break is more of um, it's yeah, I guess it's a little bit of that flavor, but this is like, uh, you know, like uh, was it Captain Miller and Saving Private Ryan, um, where he's shooting okay. the tank, just like this this has no hope of working. I'm doomed, but I'm just
0: you know, so so it's not like a out of frustration kind of it's thing it's, it's more like, of it's, like, spit, like yeah. it's like
1: hell's heart i spit at d like, uh, it might be I, uh, I couldn't say for sure because yeah i feel like that was the climax of the shower the the, mm-hmm. the shower scene michael bay doing that
0: <sighs> uh um, well, lo- you say a shower scene i i don't think of this kind of shower scene no it's the it's, yeah it's this Sean is Connie the Robert. michael bay version of the shower scene <laughs> yeah yeah
1: I also love the scene of like Womack saying, "You know, good speed. Uh, have, have, you you got to get uh, Mason on board." And he's like, "Well, he's got a gun. He's like, what do you got? A squirt gun?" Uh-huh. Next transmission. Good
0: speed. Have you resolved the situation?
1: He's got all the guns now, yes, sir. Shit. The moment Sean Connery pins this dude to the knife in the neck, and he goes, "You must never hesitate." As he hesitates and pauses to admire his knife kill. Right. And then the second guy starts shooting at him. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Like, like, I thought that was pretty funny. It's great. Um, Nick Cage admiring the elegant string of pearls. The way he does, like he's just got this extreme concentration, pulled it out. And then he looks at it and like, it's this great little moment where he, like the technician in him is like, oh wow, this is pretty sweet. Mm -hmm. Like it's, I think that's great. Um, Another thing that needs to get the fuck out of this movie is the laundry cart chase. Okay, because because yeah. I don't know if we've talked about this yet, but a weakness of this film, I think, is it has no business being two hours and fifty minutes long.
0: I, I think I agree, and this is probably the sequence that could most easily go. I don't
1: need. I don't think it needs to be like ninety minutes, but you you know a tight hour fifty five with this scene and maybe a couple others excised. I don't think anyone would
0: cry about. And I think this is honestly kind of a duplicate scene. I mean, you know, it's a slightly different type of action. It's a slightly different set, but ultimately isn't it very similar to the firebombs that come down into the sewer? I guess. Like the the only thing that this scene does is let's... that I think is important is gives Nicolas Cage the opportunity to kill somebody. Right. Cuz he has to prove to Mason that he can keep up, that he can do this thing that at the beginning of the movie he very much couldn't do, which yeah. is kill somebody.
1: It does, but I I agree that's definitely a character beat that needs to be moved to another scene. Right. But I first of all I thought the laundry cart scene or whatever, the mining cart, like it didn't. I didn't buy it because like I just don't buy that there's this vast cavernous bat cave system underneath the rock. What Maybe is I'm that wrong. used for? I, like I said, I I I thought like I put my notes. I called it the laundry cart. Yeah, because otherwise maybe there's like a thuggy cult that's got child slaves down there mining, I don't know, tabana gas for the Kali death cult or whatever. Like I, I mean, it's 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 just a l- direct lift off of Temple of Doom. It is, yeah. but there's nothing to really ground that in anything.
0: Maybe so. it transports
1: all of the uh
0: raincoats that are needed to construct rafts yeah it was to get off
1: the island that's the thing you think the building the the raincoat raft was uh, impressive it's the it's the logistics to always get you yeah the raincoat
0: distribution tracks yeah yeah. cars were
1: a bitch carving the face out of soap and making the (laughs) raincoat boat no problem but the transportation network to make those things possible boy that took years years of planning so many Rita Hayworth posters covering covering <laughs> those tracks.
0: <laughs> the jail, the whole prison There's nothing yeah. but Rita
1: Hayworth everywhere. Yeah, that's the thing is like um, Rita Hayworth posters are like predator cloaking devices for prison wardens. That's a fact. <laughs> yeah. They see Rita, Rita Hayworth and like, oh, there can't be anything, can't be anything going on
0: behind this poster. <laughs> there's one other, actually, kind of nice moment that I like, where Nicolas Cage is putting to Sean Connery the the situation you know like uh, sean connery's on his way out he's mm. leaving he's done with this mission our gonna shoot his ass they, they he tells him look this is all gas-based and they've got rockets it's going to distribute all over your daughter essentially mm. uh you need to come back and you need to do something about this and what choice do you have and it's interesting because in that moment uh sean connery looks up at the ceiling and there's a grate and he can kind of see daylight. Mm -hmm. And I feel like that's him pondering the question, do I escape Mm -hmm. and get my freedom or do I save my daughter? Mm -hmm. Uh, And I thought that was a nice little moment. Yeah.
1: yeah. No. Again, there's the, the bones of this movie are just so much more substantial. Like when I compare this to something else, like triple X, for example, uh, even some of the later uh, fast and furious movies where there's no good damn reason for them to be going all over the world, except for, Hey, this is an interesting back, The limitation of this single location like yeah, San Francisco is great, The Rock is great, but like, you know, there's not that many of like places where this can sustain this many actions. Like even Indiana Jones has to go three quarters of the way around the globe to get into different, like, you know, to get to the plane and get to the caves and get to the ancient ruins and cross like he's he's got to try like this is all contained within 10 square miles of san francisco yeah pretty 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 amazing and like a, the the concept and script uh are, are are pretty brilliant like these they don't roll something like the rock off the assembly line that often. season of the cave We hope you've enjoyed our Super Serious film review, but we're not quite done yet. A staple of our Super Serious reviews is our attempts to rewrite, update, and modernize the movies we watch. If you want to see how the rewrite for this movie turned out, head to club.baldmove.com to sign up and get access to this and other bonus club content.